Welcome to Four Speed Ahead. I'm Mike Miller here with Kyle Mitchell, the Chief People Officer of Ford. Kyle, how are you today? I'm doing great, Craig. Thanks for having me. Well, it, it's exciting to be here. I started my career in the airport to airport business, so it's sort of a flashback of sorts. Um, I always refer to the company as Ford Air, and so it's I wanted to say Ford Air when, when I introduced you, but you guys have changed the brand of Ford. Tell us a little bit about what brought that on. Yeah, sure. I, I'd say uh, it's it's 30 years in the making of transformation of the company um, from my perspective. So we're still Forward Air. Uh, we, we still you know have that as our official name. Um, but really, if you look at the progression and, and, and to your own words, your own experience in the airport to airport space, which not a lot of others can say that, um, you know, it, it really made sense 30 years ago when our founders started this company to, to run a terminal to terminal hub and spoke network where we were supporting air freight or grounding air freight, I should say, and moving it through uh, ground transportation Um you know, really, really the evolution of the company over the last couple of decades as we've grown has has diversified our business. So we have an intermodal offer, intermodal drage offering now. Uh, Final Mile is a big growth engine for us. We also have an expedited truckload, which is a great complement to that expedited LTL airport to airport network. So as as a company has grown and evolved and transformed, uh, the the air portion of, of, of our name just isn't as relevant as it used to be. Now, Ford's got an amazing network. I always tell people it's it's the best kept secret, in my opinion, in transportation. It's a very sophisticated network that runs scheduled LTL services. This is sort of the uh, bread and butter of the business or traditional bread and butter of the business. You, as you mentioned, you guys have diversified beyond that, but it's still even your core business, which represents a, a significant part of the revenue, the flagship of the company, is still a a largely unknown entity, uh, except in the customers that you guys service, but you're the dominant leader in that. I'd love for you to expand a little bit more on what that dedicated LTL network means to customers and where do you guys see it headed? Uh, yeah, uh, another great point there, Craig. So, you know, you, you stole a little bit of my thunder of, of what I like to say is we're, we're the biggest or largest transportation company that you've never heard of or most people haven't heard of. Um, you know, they, and you're absolutely right. The, the LTL, uh, that, that dedicated network, uh, a terminal network that we have is still the bread and butter of our company and, and makes up the lion's share of our revenue and, and operating income. Um, but as we've continued to diversify, we've built a strong network around that, that we can offer a more holistic, uh, product services to our customers. Um, and, and really have complementary businesses to support our customers needs uh, better than we could just servicing the domestic freight forwarders and international freight forwarders. So when you say it's best kept secret, I mean, what do you think when people are asking or not aware of how, uh, of what you guys do, where do you think the gap is? Is it just been that it's a, it's a market sold into uh, a wholesale industry with the forwarding community, or do you think there's something uh, that has been sort of keeping this really, highly dynamic, highly scheduled and consistently scheduled network sort of quiet. Well, yeah, it it was really, you know, for years and years by design, right? If you go back to your own experience in, in that in this segment as well. Uh, so our, our customer being the the intermediaries uh, in supporting the domestic freight forwarders and the international freight forwarders, you know, they they were the front end 
sales arm of the operation, I guess, is a way to, to put it. And we're behind the scenes moving the goods through the network. So our, our name being hidden behind the product offering was actually by design of the product itself. Now, as we've continued to grow and diversify the business outside of those core customers, and, and don't get me wrong, they are extremely valuable and important partner to us. So we respect that relationship and continue to respect that relationship. It has opened up opportunity for our brand and other segments to become more well-known, more of a household name. Now, Kyle, I didn't enjoy competing against Ford Air. Uh, it was a brutal. Uh, I was quite young, uh, but it was uh, a, it was a really tough. You guys are a very tough competitor, uh, and you've you know this is a business that has has uh, continued to uh, be the dominant leader and grown into a dominant leader. But now you've diversified. How does it? as the sort of transition of the culture of the company of, of sort of being the dominant leader, monopolizing one sector of the industry and diversifying where you're, this is, you're a new entrant in the market. How does that change the culture of the company? Uh, you know, it's, it, 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 it can change it dramatically if you allow it to, but there's also core foundations of what we've learned and, and what we've developed over the years that are transformational or, they, they carry over into other segments. So the, the, you know, operationally, we have just super strong foundation uh, of operational excellence. Uh, you, you hear us say it a lot internally when you talk about our culture, we're built on a culture of precision execution. It doesn't matter if we're doing a white glove final mile delivery or if it's an expedited truckload move or if it's within our airport to airport LTL network, those principles still apply. So we're, we're able to, to transition that as we grow into different segments and, and get the goodness out of, uh, out of the core uh, of our existence um, from a cultural standpoint. Now, how many of sort of the diverse, look at the diverse businesses, obviously the exclusive use or the expedited truckload business uh, is very complementary to your flagship, but you've got these, you have a Dre operation and you have other components of your business that seem a little further afield from your core, how, how much of that is complementary in your, in your mind? Well, there's, there's a, a complementary level uh, across all of the different offerings. Uh, and, you know, as we continue to really hone in and expand and grow our footprints, it, it could be from uh, shared locations uh, across the, our network. Um, it, it could also be a synergy as we look at advancing technology from a fleet perspective, um, and really being able to max utilization of our, our trucks and our fleet partner drivers, uh, it's a win-win, right? If, if, if we can use uh, an intermodal uh, drainage driver for a short haul uh, run within LTL, why they have downtime in intermodal, there's huge efficiency gains. And it, it makes all of our owner operators and independent contractors more profitable. So we're really focused on where we have those synergies, even though the business model is, is quite a bit different. Those of us that are in this space and understand the value of a driver today and going forward with the driver shortages that we're already facing and then forecasting a 5X increase to that over the next you know five, five years or so, it, it's all the more important that we are pulling out all the tools we can and, and maximizing the utilization of, of our drivers for their own profitability um, to, to best retain them. Now, I've talked to a lot of Silicon Valley startups that are 
you know, focused on the last mile or expedited e-commerce providing solutions. And oftentimes they don't realize that the network exists and there's this infrastructure, as we mentioned, being a, a, a kept, sort of the best kept secret in transportation. Uh, but it strikes me that there's a major opportunity for your network of operators, uh, whether it's your independent operators, uh, your employees, to really see expansive growth as e-commerce and last mile becomes more ubiquitous. It seems like you guys have a really sort of powerful opportunity with your dedicated terminal networks to really build, uh, to be a core component of that e-commerce and last mile. Yeah, there's, there's, uh, from a volume perspective, you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, if, if you look at the introduction of e-commerce into our network, obviously that's been pretty impactful. Uh, figuring out how to best move, uh, you know, that, that e-commerce, e-commerce freight within our, let's call it normalized, uh, bigger, bulkier and palletized freight. Um, it, it does introduce some challenges and, and we're certainly working through those. Our operations team is fantastic in working with our commercial group of finding our sweet spot of where we play there. Um, but, you know, it's really uh, if you look at over the last couple of years and, and one of the core initiatives we've had as an organization is you've seen us start to expand our footprint outside of the the terminal or the the large uh, airport locations like our our network is traditionally been. So we we have several greenfield startups a year. Uh, we continue to do those outside of the airport network, which is really positioning us to your point uh, to really play in that space much better and much more efficiently as we grow. Now you say greenfield, you're te- you guys are literally testing and incubating these startups inside of your own infrastructure. Correct. So how does that, you know, a lot of companies struggle, particularly large, larger scale companies struggle to to really innovate inside their organizations because they're so good at what they do. And obviously you have really good people inside the organization. How do you how do you make those investments and and determine let, let give them enough runway to see if they can be successful, but also uh, when they're if they're not, how do you how do you pivot beyond it? Sure. Yeah, no. Uh, so as much as as the you know people person of the organization, I like to pretend uh, like I do a lot of or wear a lot of other hats here. Um, that That's really a commercial and operations play. I mean, I'll do my best to answer that for you um, and, and try not to get it wrong. But, you know, we're, we're using we're using good data and analytics to, to figure out exactly, you know, when we look at our, our networks and we look at the movement of goods within the networks and the customer opportunity. We can pinpoint where adding a, a new facility or an expansion of a facility um, with an already existing footprint makes the most sense within our network. So it, it gives us we can we can quickly figure out where we have the most density opportunity, and that's where we typically try to start and, and add those startups. Now, transportation has been a tough it's a tough market, particularly for folks in your role, right? Because you've got to recruit and be responsible for bringing people into the organization particularly on the driver side and even in the warehouses, it's been difficult this, this past year. What is Ford doing to, to really protect itself or build its business in this environment? Yeah, um, I, I, the short answer is, is a lot, Craig, um, because you, you basically are, are looking at every angle and, and trying to capture 
uh, you know, the goodness or the sweet spot, uh, when it, whether you're talking about drivers or whether we're talking about dock workers. And you're a hundred percent right. Um, it, you know, in, in my experience, a decade plus in the industry, it, you know, we get into these capacity cycles and, and the cycle is real. I think you and I have had a conversation uh, about that following a board meeting that you came and spoke to uh, for us. Um, you know, th- during the during the the uptick of the cycle, capacity obviously gets really tight, and and it's what are you doing to get to get and maintain your drivers? Um, you know, and, and then this the uniqueness of this cycle coming out of COVID was is also you know the impact of dock labor. So you have this huge influxion of of uh, uh, freight within the network. I mean, we're we're running at peak level volumes in plus. Um, in a in a very non-peak seasonality right now um, and, and really trying to get the dock workers and and continue to grow our fleet in in a challenged environment where very few are growing their fleets I mean I I, I, I was talking with an external party uh, last week and they were informed us how there's a record level number of people um, historically getting their own authorities right now and why not, right? Your spot market rates are through the roof and there's not really a for sure end in sight. So, you know, really from our perspective, it's about, it's really about people and it's really about the culture and doing the right things all the time. Um, we're hugely focused on, on making sure that we're, you know, and I'm going to backtrack here, Craig, for a second, but I'll, I'll split it up and, and keep the focus where the focus really should be, I think, for this more of this conversation, which is around our fleet and, and our independent contractor and drivers. Um, and, and I'll pepper in some of the things we're doing for DOC and, and other labor positions as well. Um, but we're hugely focused on on making sure, you know, we're the, around D&I in our ESG initiatives, mainly in my world and the social aspect of those. Um, we have tremendous partnerships that we've created with HCBUs, uh, specifically Clark Atlanta right here by us, uh, working on their social justice initiatives and, and then also looking in different directions for a great example, uh, growing our partnership and relationship with women in trucking. Um, you know, we've partnered with them for the last couple of years, um, and it, on twofold, you know, our two fronts, I should say. One, growing our own footprint of, of women in leadership positions within our organization, uh, but then also, you know, working with them and some some other third party uh, partners to create small women owned businesses within the transportation uh, sector, specifically around becoming small fleet owners and, and operating, you know, as independent contractors, as a fleet owner, as, as we like to call them. Um, and, and I think, you know, one thing that you can say from a success story there, as you look at the journey that we're on, you know, looking at our own board of directors and, and the last couple of years of board, uh, new appointed board directors, we've been very, very focused on diversifying from the top down. Uh, and we're going to continue to do so. So if you, if you look over the last three years, over 50% of the board members that have joined us are, are diverse. Um, and, and that's something we're really excited about and, and plan to continue to, to grow that down through our organization. Um, you know, another thing is we have our corporate cause that we stood up uh, a year, a little over a year ago, um, actually closer to two years ago now, um, and one that we're all very excited about, and that's our Operation Forward Freedom. 
Um, and that is our charity cause or our corporate cause to support our veterans uh, in our community. And as you know, Craig, there, there's a large percentage of our driver population that are veterans um, and, and a lot, a, a large percentage of our employee base that are either veterans themselves or have family members that are veterans. So we're super passionate about that. Um, we're super excited about, uh, we had to delay it last year, but we're actually doing our first inaugural Drive for Hope uh, charity golf outing to support our cause. Uh, it'll be this September in Atlanta. Um, I'm, I'm happy to share that we've already raised over $200,000 in sponsorships. Um, and that will go 100% to, to our charities that we support. Um, so I'll, I'll take a quick second here and plug too. I don't believe that Freight Waves is uh, a sponsor quite yet, um, but we still have some sponsorships and we got some foursomes available. Um, so we'd love to have you. We'll make sure, I'll make sure that the, uh, I'm not a golfer. I would embarrass the brand if I tried to attempt the golf a few times that I do it. But I, we have some uh, on staff who like to think they're headed to the PGA, but uh, they're not. Uh, so we'll be sure to introduce those uh, folks to you so we can get them on. It sounds like a great cause, an important cause. Um, one of the things I want to go back to, you mentioned historical black colleges, and it strikes me that our industry, that is an enormous uh, resource to bring in uh, you know, black professionals that want to enter this industry um, where particularly in management roles, um, that they're, it's less represented. It's, it's one of the most challenging things is to see people of color in ranks of executive teams across this industry. Uh, but it seems like that's a great outlet for you guys. Tell us a little bit more about that initiative. Yeah, sure. Um, I, I don't get to take credit for it. It, it was Tom, our, our CEO, Tom Schmidt, um, that was originally introduced us to the partnership there. Um, but, you know, we we just sat down and started talking about how what are some great opportunities for us to start working together, uh, really, you know, it, getting involved in the communities. I, I know from a charitable standpoint, um, it, it, it's very easy for organizations to just write a check and say, here you go, we're, we're partners. And that's just not who we are and what we are here at Forward. Uh, we we want to get our hands on it. and We want to be involved. So we've, we've had a lot of conversations and, and, and meetings about initiatives that we can start to work together on using them in locally here in Atlanta as a starting point. Um, but really, I, I think you hit the nail on the head, Craig, and, and, and we'll keep talking through, you know, the talent opportunities here. But it's really about us being able to tap into 100 percent of the talent pool, right? Rooms full of of leaders and executives that look like me and you um, aren't giving us the best views of the world around us. And for us to really tap into that, we need to focus on avenues and opportunities to go out into our communities and and really find people of color and, and of minorities to, to, to join the ranks of a transportation industry that historically looks like you and I. Um, so we're, we're very passionate about it. Hopefully you can tell in the way I talk about it. And, and we're working very closely with Clark Atlanta today, but want to just supercharge that as fast as possible and really be able to go out into communities all over the country and, and really focus on how we can just do that, just tap into 100% of that talent pool. It's, you know, it's an important initiative because I, I, I like to talk about transportation logistics offering some of the highest upward mobility of, of any industry um, for people that are there. And 
um, it's it's not only good for the community, particularly the transportation community, to involve people of color in management roles. It's also good business for those that do take those initiatives, as you get really smart, talented, uh, and ambitious and aggressive uh, uh, folks that 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 want to make a contribution and help build the future of this industry. So I applaud you guys for doing it. Would love to see more companies and organizations uh, take that opportunity. And the great thing is. Because they the, typically the populations that are in those uh, colleges, uh, it gives you a chance to to really find a large concentration and really target it. And I think it's it's an important initiative. So I applaud I applaud Ford for taking the lead there uh, and and doing that. One thing I want to ask Kyle is, what do you guys perceive? Is this conversation about whether this market, as tight as it is, is ever going to come back. And I have a theory is like everything. It's a pendulum. I've heard this my whole life that the market is as tight as it's ever going to be. This has probably been three or four times, but a lot of people think that the market is never going to come back or as big as in terms of availability of drivers. What did, what did you, what did you see? Yeah, I, I, um, I, you know, from my perspective, I, I think there's, there's a lot of truth to what you're saying, right? Right there. Um, I think the you know, you can just simply look at it on on several different levels and see the changing dynamic of the workplace. Now, in my opinion, um, you're looking and I think I already mentioned it. You know, you're looking at a shortage of, of close to one hundred thousand dollars or sorry, one hundred thousand drivers in the industry right now. And that's just going to multiply over the next couple of years. And, and you tie that to the aging workforce and the baby boomers that are retiring you know, and the acceleration of some of that that was caused by COVID uh, over the last 18 months. Um, you know, I, I saw a study recently that that showed that uh, three million baby boomers retired in the last year, um, and that's uh, almost double what they expected. Um, and again, that was driven by COVID. So you see, uh, you know, when you look at the average age of the driving workforce, um, it, you definitely see a gap. Right now, it doesn't mean so a short term. I think there's a lot of truth to that. I think we're going to be facing a driver shortage um, for for the foreseeable future. I also think the dynamic of what a driver job looks like, take automation and, and you know, we can we can talk about when we get there and when it's adopted. Um, we know the technology is there. But for the here and now, you know, I, I think you're going to see a continued shift out of necessity of what the driver day and job looks like on a go forward basis. And I think if, if the industry gets in line and we, we adopt and we focus on making that life much different, I mean, we're, we're in that boat now, right? We're an expedited network. Uh, we have 1300 over the road drivers and most of them are, are out doing just that. They're on the road, right? They're over the road. They have sleeper cabs. They're, they're getting home um, more frequently than they ever have, but but not as frequently as a lot of people would like to be, especially with millennial workforce. Um, so I think we have to adapt. And, and I think that that's not just a forward thing. That's, that's everybody in the industry is going to have to adapt. We're going to have to look at more uh, relays and swaps um, you know, maybe you have a little bit slower transit times in, in the process, but getting drivers the right pay, getting them home uh, as frequently as they want to, 
God bless the road warriors that still want to stay out there. We'll take them all day long. Um, but we have to become more attractive to a more general population of the workforce. And so I think there's opportunity if we do those things and we focus on the right things. Like from my perspective, there's three things that matter most to, to the average driver. And, and you can run surveys. We've run surveys. In the end, I think they, they closely align. Um you know, and and I'm I'm just assuming treatments up there to begin with because if you're not treating drivers right, you're going to have horrendous turnover, and it doesn't really matter what you try to do. But assuming you have treatment already there, there's three things, and it's pay, it's home time, and it's it's predictability of scheduling um, or or dedicated opportunities. Right? They want to know where they're going, they want to know when they're coming back home, and and they they want a, a predicted schedule there. And then the compensation has to be in the right spot for those other two things to align with their expectations. And so, you know, a short answer of what we're doing on the driver side, Craig, is, is we're focusing on those three things um, and making sure that we're providing the right opportunities. And and something, you know, that, that we can say and, and, and going back to our discussion about the diversification of our business it, it creates a whole nother opportunity for drivers within our network. Um, you know, we used to be a bit of a one trick pony and it was, we have this over the road expedited LTL network and you can come run. And we, you know, I, I've been with a company for seven years now and, and the internal joke is about the LTL being the country club of driving um, because it's, you know, terminal to terminal hub and spoke drop and hook. It's, it's great freight. Uh, it's light freight. I mean, there's, there's so much goodness to it. But it, t- it still takes that driver that wants to be over the road right now, right? It, we're, we're heavily relying on husband, husband and wife teams or, or teams in general. Um, and, and that's, th- that's great for those that want to do it. But if we want to continue to grow, we have to, we have to be able to think differently and attract more drivers. Um, so that, that whole, sorry, I, I was just going to say that, you know, that whole round peg in a, in a square hole. Uh, it, it applies here. And as we have our intermodal offering and our final mile white glove, you know, crossing thresholds, going into homes, we look at a fleet owner model and we look at having small businesses because that's really what our independent contractor partnerships are. We're creating an opportunity for them to be able to grow a business that best meets their driver's needs within all of our segments. Um, so it's a huge opportunity. And we, we, we really need to push that with our folks. You know, it does strike me, and I, I know this just from my own experience of competing against uh, a Ford in the, in the day, that your scheduled LTL network, because it's pick up and deliver, the schedule doesn't change. Those trucks go out at the same time every day. If freight's not there, it's left behind. It strikes me is that it's, as you mentioned, a country club of opportunities for drivers. You're getting consistent, going to the consistent cities, consistent schedule. It's very predictable. It works like an airline. But it, it strikes me as that's a pretty nice carrot for folks to enter the four organization who want to graduate to that. Do you guys use that as a way to uh, sort of over time, they can migrate into that scheduled network if those, those slots are available? Yeah, absolutely. So if you look at um, if you look at that network as a whole, currently we're sitting about 60 percent of that freight is what you would call truly dedicated schedule. And then the other 40 percent are running. Uh, an ad hoc network for us. So they're filling in the gaps um, from from the scheduled dedicated deliveries. And and we're very focused on continuing to create those opportunities. One great thing, again, operationally that we've done 
because we we were running our truckload, our expedited truckload, completely independent of the LTL network. And we've actually, over uh, the last year, really started pushing those two fleets back together. They were at one point. I, I think it was eight or nine years ago. They, they, they ran together, and then we split them out. Um, and basically, we're competing within our own walls for driver capacity. Um, and so we've, we've slowly started to, to migrate and ship them back together. We'll be running them both uh, under the same dispatch operation system later this year. Um, so it really creates that opportunity. And I think to your point, Craig, it's where you can come in, you can run within our terminal to terminal networks, um, it, but but create that opportunity over time to where you move into a dedicated uh, and you have that long term predictability. Um, and, and let's face it, those are the folks that stay with us for forever and ever once they get into those dedicateds. And, and we love that. Um, you know, something we we uh, from an over the road network that we probably don't brag enough about, in my opinion, uh, is what our, our retention rates are. And, you know, from a uh, again, over the road network from, you know, our, our annualized turnover is in the high 20s, um, which is just fantastic for an over the road network. Yeah. Now, is that do you guys also have uh, for hire? Your are these all independent contractors? Uh, yeah, over ninety percent of the fleet, um, from an over the road perspective, are independent contractors. And I imagine, is it harder right now for independent to recruit independent contractors, or is it easier than recruiting company drivers? Um, well, that's that's a great question. I think they're both difficult right now. <laughs> it's it's um, just tough, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, we we have to stay really focused. Um, our, our primary, our core function is to remain an asset like carrier. Um, so even if we could go recruit company drivers all day long, uh, we wouldn't, um, at least not for our over the road network. Um, so we're we're almost exclusively focused on trying to go get independent contractors. Now, one thing we've done is we've really made a push to get uh, and grow our fleet owner partnership. So those that own multiple trucks, um, you know, we, when I started with the company seven years ago is probably about a 20, 80 split. So 20% were owned or multiple truck owners, 80% were one truck, uh, one driver or, or two driver teams. Um, we're about a 50, 50 split now. Um, and, and the reason, one of the main reasons we got there is we actually introduced a few years back, uh, we call it our fleet forward package where we'll actually compensate uh, fleet owners as they grow their trucks with us, we compensate them a higher rate per mile as their fleet grows. Um, and that caps out up to over 40 trucks with us. It's uh, it's gonna be an interesting story to watch over the next uh, couple of years as you guys continue to build out these extended operations and continue to uh, build on, on your core operations. Kyle, I really enjoyed the conversation. Anytime Ford, the opportunity to talk to folks at Ford, uh, come up here at Freightways, I love to do that. Um, I found the uh, early days when I was starting my career, Ford Air was the company that I wanted to take down. You guys were the uh, the dominant leader and we were a competitor and not a very good one at that. And uh, I found that it was uh, incredibly difficult to compete against the service, but more importantly, the culture uh, of the company as you guys have a really strong committed team that uh, is consistently delivering. And I saw that firsthand and I was brutal to be on the other side competing against you guys. So uh, I, I commend you. In fact, about two years ago, I got an email from um, uh, Bruce Campbell 
who was sort of a tortured history for me because I was competing against him. And he complimented me on Freightways. And I thought, well, that's a, a relief. After all these years, I carried this uh, competitive burden that has haunted me for many, many days. But I learned more from competing against Ford Air than probably any experience of my life. And I commend you guys. And it just it's an amazing organization. And it's an untold story. Uh, and we're happy to have this forum to tell a little bit more about it. Yeah, no, thank you so much, Craig, and, and appreciate all the kind words. Um, you know, this Bruce Campbell uh, spent uh, decades turning this company and growing this culture to be the competitive nature that it is. And we love him for that. And Tom Schmidt, you know, took the reins a few years back um, and has really supercharged us from a strategic standpoint and really thinking beyond, uh, you know, our 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 own preconceived uh, limitations of our airport to airport network, uh, even though it's, 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 it's gravy. Um, and we, and we wouldn't be who we are without it really thinking about the company from a different perspective and how we can continue to grow it. And, you know, that I, I just will close with this, um, you know, great, great conversation. And I wouldn't be doing uh, our company service if I didn't throw this out there, but that same passion of operational excellence, we take into everything we do. And, you know, when we talk about the drivers and our opportunities to be a, a partner of forward, we're in this for the long haul and we're a hundred percent all in. And you can look at what we've done over the last several years. You know, we've taken five significant compensation increases in the last four years. Um, and one of those being something that we are actually announcing this week, um, which is a huge change for us, which is now that we now we're offering a, a sense of a, uh, a variable comp uh, piece to our, our compensation package. So we've always been fixed rate compensation. Uh, this week, we just announced we're, we're starting our destination based pay um, or destination based compensation, I should say, for our independent contractors that pays up to an additional 25 cents a mile, uh, depending on where your load uh, is, is, is not the origin, but the destination of the load uh, that you're taking. Um, it, it's a huge step uh, for us and it, it, it's not the last. I promise that. Um, we're going to stay focused on those three things we talked about, compensation, home time and dedicated opportunities. We want to make this the best professional home it can be for all of our drivers. Um, and we're 100 percent committed to that, just like we are uh, the precision execution of the movement of our goods. Well, I don't think there's a more important company that's involved in really this e-commerce revolution over the last couple of decades and just doesn't get enough uh, doesn't get enough awareness. And hopefully, Kyle, that changes both for the customer standpoint, uh, including investors and such, but also for and more importantly, for uh, the owner operator community. They may be looking for a company that is continuing to grow and do quite well. Absolutely. Well, thanks for coming on for Speed Ahead. Stay tuned for the content we have here at the Owner Operator Summit at Freightways. And be sure to download the Freightways TV app. You can find it on the Apple TV store. Uh, and we put content out here on a consistent basis. So be sure to check out. Uh -huh.